0: and By mid-December of 1777, only 11,000 men remained in the ranks of the Continental Army. They had just completed a daring attack on the British at Germantown and had suffered heavy losses. Desertion was a serious problem. Troops were weary. Their clothing was torn, tattered. Blankets were scarce, shoes even scarcer. And only a month earlier on Thanksgiving Day... Lieutenant Dearborn had written of the American Army, God knows we have little to keep it with, this being this third day we have been without flour or bread. Food could have been plentiful, but the civilians often hoarded it, and transporting it was difficult. The Congress, the Continental Congress, then governing the colonies, had just adopted the Articles of Confederation, a weak and toothless document, that purported to join the colonies, but gave little support for marshalling and supporting the troops. But they were patting themselves on the back for their labors. Most members of the Continental Congress went home for Christmas closing their eyes to the plight of the army that they claimed to support. But General Washington, George Washington, could not close his eyes. He was responsible for men who had staked their lives, their fortunes, their sacred honor on his leadership. So, amid the criticism, he chose to gather his troops together for the winter rather than risk another attack and certain defeat in their weakened conditions. So it was that they set up camp 20 miles from Philadelphia at a place which is embedded with pain in the memory of every American, a place called Valley Forge. And it was said as the troops dragged themselves to Valley Forge, Washington said you might have tracked the army from White March to Valley Forge by the blood of their feet. And things there did not improve. Shelter was meager at best. Amid snow and biting cold, the soldiers bound their feet in rags as they built huts and lugged water on a two-mile round trip for survival. But many of them did not survive. Starvation, exposure, death, disease claimed the lives of 2,600 troops. And in this test of metal, General Washington remained the general to his men. It wasn't his title, but his tough but tender tenacity of inner strength and character that seemed to hold his troops, that preserved their resolve and gave them endurance. He seemed to draw strength, direction, and purpose from a wellspring not found in the soil of Valley Forge, but in the soil of his own heart. And indeed he did. In that darkest hour, Washington, the general, drew upon his faith in God, Not a foxhole faith, but a faith born of long-standing relationship to his God. He knew the source of his strength and his ability to lead. He knew that true leadership stems from humility and humility from one's maker, and he knew that he was a servant and the ruler of nations was the supreme commander. And after the war, he was called first in war, first in peace, first in the hearts of of his countrymen. His name, George Washington. Today, we remember George Washington, our first president at six foot two. He stood above, head and shoulders above most of the rest of the people. And in fact, so much so that in the 1974, I believe it was, he was granted the highest order ever given to an American military man, the General Supreme General of the Armies of the United States. And so, today on Viewpoint, we take a look at this man a little more deeply, and we have a special friend who is joining us here today to talk about this. Uh, Jerry, welcome to uh, Viewpoint here. It's a long time that you and I have talked together.
1: Yes, thank you so much. Great to be with you. And uh, I loved your opening uh comments there. Uh, did you uh, write that, or are you reading from something? Well, indeed, <laughs> I
0: did. I read it from chapter, a chapter in my book, "Renewing the Soul of America: Faith and Freedom,"
1: chapter twelve. Nice.
0: Wow. Yeah. Very good. And that was just the that's just the introduction. <laughs>
1: yeah. No, that's great though, and I, I appreciate your appreciation of the sacrifice that George Washington specifically made and his troops so that we might be free. And then you contrast that with what's happening today. You know, we're living in the era of the ungrateful American, you know, where people are taking a, they're bowing the knee, you know, to basically uh, protest against the national anthem. And and, uh, you have people toppling statues or defacing statues, including statues of George Washington. And it really is an amazing thing. And yet these guys sacrifice, including George Washington, especially George Washington, so we could be free. And uh, this is uh, how we're repaying them. It's, it's just crazy.
0: It is uh, crazy, is to put it mildly. It is a repudiation of all that is honorable, a repudiation of history uh, in order to, shall we say, sever our connection as americans with our history and with god so that we can be absorbed into a new world order more easily unfortunately that's where the agenda leads us and it is very dangerous isn't it
1: yes it is and what i wanted to do though is basically tell the story especially for those not familiar with with uh... the the life of george washington and his religious uh... commitment and the legacy of george washington and to tell the story also of other great Americans who did so much so that we could have this freedom. So I've, I've been working on a, a seven-part series of films, two of which have already been released. The second one is George Washington. The first one was on the Pilgrims, telling the true story mm-hmm. of what happened with the Mayflower Compact and the uh, you know the first Thanksgiving, et cetera. But George Washington is the only one, only individual in this whole seven-part series that has a whole program episode dedicated just to one man, and that's because he he was such a towering figure in our country. I mean, he's called the father of America for a very good reason. I mean, he he was the commander-in-chief of the armies, you know, when we were uh, in a situation where basically he was presiding over a ragtag army, just like you were saying, all those wonderful things that, that you brought up at the very beginning, and he led us into victory as we were taking on the, the largest and most powerful army and navy in the world at that time, that of, of Great Britain, and they didn't do this for light and transient causes. They did this because they felt that it was wrong what Great Britain was doing to Americans, the American colonists, and denying us of our freedom, and there was a religious angle too that most people never talk about. but um, the the British, in, in squelching their desire to squelch the what they saw was a you know rebellion of the American colonists, one of the things they wanted to do was then, once they took over completely over the American colonists and, and you know d- basically squashed all dissent, then they were planning to impose uh, the whole Anglican Church through all the colonies. Wait a minute! You mean all those pilgrims and Puritans and the Quakers and so forth, who sacrificed in the 1600s and early 1700s, all their work would be undone uh, by the, you know, by the British, and then there would be bishops in charge of all the different, you know, it's, With it's those astounding. Were in other words, America known, would have lost its religious liberty.
0: Those things were not generally known, and we're going to uh, uncover many of them here as we continue on today, friends. Stay tuned. This is you. Again, yeah, I welcome you back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Meyer. Today, we have a special guest joining us to talk about George Washington. He is producing a number of uh, pieces concerning our heritage, American heritage. Uh, and the force today, the focus today, is on George Washington, the first president of the United States. And here is a man who didn't really want to, to be the president of the united states he didn't even want to be the general of the uh, continental army he did everything he could to avoid those things because he was living in peace at mount vernon he had everything going for him and uh, he didn't need that kind of trouble but he took on huge risk and huge responsibility and as a result of that you and i are free today and uh Jerry Newcomb is joining us here today to talk about uh, his special production and Jerry tell us what what is it called your your uh, movie or DVD production
1: well it's part of a whole series each one is about an hour long it's called the Foundation of American Liberty series and if anybody asks me well what's the foundation of American Liberty my answer is it's our Judeo-Christian heritage Mm -hmm. and uh, this is actually one of seven Hour long episodes. This one is called George Washington. And the first one was called The Pilgrims. <laughs> and they're very simple in their Yo, title. Okay. Uh, but but I have a lot of great guests, including Dr. Peter Lobeck, with whom I wrote the book George Washington Sacred Fire. And by the way, I, I must say what a generous man he is. Peter Lobach founded something called the Providence Forum mm-hmm. about twenty years ago. It was Providence Forum that published that book, George Washington Sacred Fire, which We wrote together, it came out in 2006, and then it it actually became a bestseller in 2010, and we're very grateful for that. But anyway, he is so uh, occupied with his responsibilities as the president of Westminster Theological Seminary in in, uh, Philadelphia that he ended up giving to D. James Kennedy Ministries Providence Forum, but the ministry of D. James Kennedy uh, agreed to do that only if somebody could head it up, and I am that person. So I'm very privileged to still work on the TV program of D. James Kennedy Ministries and then also now Providence Forum, and and ProvidenceForum.org is our website and clearinghouse for all kinds of information, including this multiple seven-part series, not all of which are even finished, but hour-long documentaries on the Christian roots of America. And the guests in the whole series include uh, Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Oz Guinness, Jenna Ellis, the late Dr. Walter Williams, Daniel Dreisbach, uh, Peter Lobeck, of course, David Gibbs III, Bill Federer, and Alveda King, Cal Beisner, and others. And okay. so it was our goal to basically get these interviews, uh, you know, and, and put them together in these different segments. Including this this one on George Washington, but the main thing with George Washington is we we did really set out to uh, refute a common mis, uh, you know, misconception, and that is that George Washington really wasn't a Christian; he was more of a deist, and that's just not true. Although there are many scholars who believe that he was more of a deist, but frankly, if you look at his writings and you look at his actions, you see a man who was very strongly guided by his Christian faith. George Washington was an 18th century Anglican, and it's just wrong to divorce him from that context. And uh, so there are a lot uh, of things uh, about
0: George Washington that uh, can be a little confusing if you want to isolate out certain aspects of your life. Uh, the same would be true for you, Jerry, I'm sure. And for me, uh, I was going to ask the question of our listeners here. Let's suppose that you had become the president of the United States. Would your memory, what would be your memory 220 years afterward? If today was 220 years after you had become the president of the United States, what would be the people's memory? It puts things in a whole different light, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, but yeah, it does. I mean, the, the fact that we're still even talking about George Washington, the man had a very strong, uh, positive character, and it was informed by his Christian faith. Well, it I mean, was. Example, In fact, he
0: said, of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. Let us with caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. And by religion, he was talking about Christianity, Exactly. whatever we may conclude or concede to the influence of refined education reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious or christian principle that exactly. was george washington and uh... you know even though yes he was a uh, a mason he was a mason no question about it uh... on the other hand He also lived in a time in which masonry had become very popular in uh, in Europe and in the uh, the colonies because it was a part of the culture at that time. Also part of the culture was a deism that was coming from Europe and uh, the liberalization that was coming from uh, liberal France. And George Washington lived in that time. And so to somehow judge him today after that time and to see and read and hear the things that he said helps us to, I think, understand what he really, really
1: believed. And as far as the Masons' uh, aspect is concerned, in the day that George Washington... Uh, was a Mason. And by the way, he even said in one of his letters that I think over the last four decades, I've attended uh, Masonic meetings four times. That's one a decade. That's not a very committed Mason. But he, he in his day, they actually had evangelical, evangelical ministers deliver sermons on an annual or even half a year basis in the, in the Masons. But not until the 1830s did the Masons start to, uh, you know, have a, a, a tenor in which it was more of a anti-Christian or anti-evangelical feeling within the the Masons. So, as Dr. Peter Lilbeck puts it, in George Washington's day, being a Mason was almost like uh, uh, the, the counter, the promise keepers. In other words, it was a place where men could could let their hair hang down and hang around with other men and and have fellowship. You know. Yeah but it mm-hmm. wasn't anything nefarious.
0: Yeah, and, and we're, not promoting, we're not promoting me. Masonry.
1: Uh, no, not at today, all, and it's certainly not Syria.
0: after the 1830s. Yeah. Well, and if you were to judge uh, that, you would have to basically expunge the Southern Baptist Convention from evangelical Christianity because numerous Southern Baptist pastors were Masons, even in the last 25 years.
1: So anyway, with George Washington, uh, the thing that's very important to realize is that he had a very strong commitment to God. I mean, more than 100 times he talks about God. 270 times he uses the another term for God, providence. 270 times. When you look at George Washington's language, it was very Baroque. It was almost as if he didn't want to use just ordinary words for God. Now, Dr. Lilbeck notes that uh, in the the case of, let's say, a a known anti-Christian writer, Thomas Paine became that later in his life. Not when he wrote Common Sense. 1776, Common Sense, Thomas Paine writes good things about God and the Bible. But later, 1793, the age of reason, he's anti-Christian by that time. What does he call God? God. Or Lord. He basically has a very limited vocabulary, but the evangelical ministers of Washington's day use the same kind of flowery language and mm-hmm. so forth, like the great governor of the universe, the yeah. invisible hand and so forth that George Washington used. But George Washington said over and over and over in his own way, he said, nobody should be more grateful than the people of the United States for us becoming an independent nation, and we should be grateful to God for that. He also said, that unless we imitate the divine author of our blessed religion, who everybody understands in the context of that letter, he's talking about Jesus Christ, uh, we can never hope to be a happy nation unless we imitate Christ. That's from the father of our country, and I think we have really forgotten that lesson, Chuck.
0: Well, there's no question about it, and uh, unfortunately, not only have we forgotten it, but then it's very easy for powers such as the uh, thomas Paines of the world now and the voltaires of the world which we have right now uh in our country that are seeking to destroy the very foundations of the christian right. faith in our country uh they have their nefarious reasons for doing so and uh so it's made it very easy for instance in richmond virginia for the statues uh, the memorial uh, statutes to be taken down on uh the entire avenue that's named for them and that defined Richmond, Virginia. But it's happening everywhere. It's happening in the United States Congress. The reason why these statues are being taken down is not because the people were imperfect. It's much more than that, and that is to sever our connection with our heritage so that those 40 years of age and younger can be assimilated very easily into a new world order without any kind of commitment to their country i'm convinced of that that's where we're going
1: Karl Marx said that if you can remove a people from its history and cut them off from that history then you can shape them in the direction you want but my goal in this whole series is to show well what is our history why is this nation so free why are people risking their lives uh to to come into america they're not risking their lives to go the other way to get out of america they're doing it the other way yeah, by the way in all those communist countries people are risking their lives to get out of those countries yeah. to get out of venezuela get out of cuba and uh, and and aoc and bernie sanders want to turn us into cuba or venezuela or mexico uh, horrible mm-hmm. all right now
0: your production is called what
1: the production. This particular film is called George Washington, and mm-hmm. it's one of the episodes of the whole Foundation of American Liberty series. And I have information on the whole series at ProvidenceForum.org, dot org. All right, including where it will air and so forth.
0: Providenceforum dot org. Mm-hmm. Now, how can uh, people other than that uh, gain access? Is this visible only through? uh online or is it well is it no i mean for DVD example or
1: what yeah there's a dvd and and how you can get the dvd is there at org. but also uh it's going to be airing on president's day on the nrb channel which is a cable channel at uh, 10 p.m eastern 9 p.m central et cetera. and again this is one of seven episodes this one is dealing with george washington and uh I basically wanted to not censor the the true picture of George Washington. There are a lot of there are videos out there that highlight the heroism of George Washington and, mm-hmm. and, you know, the kind of sacrifices he made for our country. And I think that's fantastic. And I just wanted to supplement all that with this look on the fact that, you know, God was and his commitment to God was was a you know, major part of what made him what he was just like you were reading in that very opening. That was beautiful, very well put.
0: Well, we're going to share a little bit more after this upcoming break. Uh, Just this last uh, uh, weekend, my wife and I spent a couple of days at a special B&B in uh, Yorktown, uh, Virginia, which is the place, of course, where George Washington rallied uh, the American troops in one last valiant effort against Cornwallis and brought down the British Empire and its lordship over america but there is a museum there called the Revolutionary War Museum and i had never i've i've been here in virginia for 28 years i had never seen this museum it is fantastic you wow. would love it jerry the okay. Revolutionary War Museum in Yorktown uh, virginia and i would recommend it to anyone uh, there are so many aspects there. It's, it's a pretty big place uh, done with excellence in every single way. And right. it helps us to understand the times. It helps us to understand the, uh, the bravery, the heroism, the, the, the raison d'etre, the reason why they engaged in this incredible uh, Revolutionary War experience without even the support of uh, 50% of the American public. Uh, It it was quite an endeavor. So what you're doing is trying to restore understanding, memory of our heritage, so that we can walk in the substance of that heritage. Here's the problem, Jerry. Uh, From 1993, when we formed Save America Ministries... Uh, What I have noticed is a continuing emphasis on our heritage, but not restoring our commitment to the God of that heritage. And that can make our heritage idolatry. I'd like you to speak to that when we come back.
2: We're talking with Jerry Newcomb, friends. I hope you'll stay tuned. Prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org.
0: Washington gained a lot of recognition because of his uh, stalwart leadership at Valley Forge. But America right now, friends, is in desperate need of the intervention of the invisible hand of the ruler of nations in this very dark hour of our own history. We are in our own Valley Forge. Freedom is at stake. Destiny is at risk. We need a resurgence of true faith in this critical hour. I think you agree with that. We don't need faith in faith. That's mere bootstrapping. We need a mighty awakening in our hearts and our souls, an awakening of faith in the God who rules and governs in the affairs of men. We need a personal faith, a faith that can stand against the tide, And the tyranny of political correctness and the stripping of moral absolutes from our personal and national wardrobe, we are, as I said, in our own valley forge. And as Americans who believe in the cause of true freedom under God, we have become weary and we've lost our direction. Our feet are bloodied, our moral and spiritual clothes are tattered, we've been on a spiritual starvation diet, we are weakened, many of us have died morally and spiritually, even in our churches, and we are desperate for a faith that will stand in the evil time. The faith that we need is faith in the God who has preserved us, a nation. But there's no national faith without personal faith. And that leads us to the question, Jerry, that I laid out for you. By the way, I just read another few paragraphs from my book, Renewing the Soul of America which, by the way, your friend and uh, Dr. G. James Kennedy, you're the alter ego of him now, aren't you?
1: Oh, all that. Um, I love Dr. Kennedy, but I'm um, you know, not the alter ego. I had the privilege, though, to write 19 books with him, including What If Jesus Had Never Been Born, and I count that as a great privilege. Yeah. And,
0: well, here's and what he said. I worked,
1: you know. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Among 38 national Christian leaders that endorse this book, Renewing the Soul of America... D. James Kennedy said this with an insightful grasp on the history of our nation's founding added to a deep understanding of the judgment God has imposed upon nations outside of his holy will. Chuck Crismire clearly and crisply enunciates the choices facing not only America, but Americans in this dangerous period of our God-blessed but God-warned country. Pretty strong statement from D. James Kennedy, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. And it reminds me of uh, when Abraham Lincoln, during the war, the Civil War, he wrote a proclamation for prayer, and he said, basically, the gist of what he said is, you know, we have been blessed by God, but we have forgotten God. Yes. And in our all of our prosperity and so forth, then we need to repent and get back to that. But he quoted, that is Abraham Lincoln quoted from Psalm 33, verse 9, which says, that the scriptures and history declare that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. I have that uh,
0: quote on our gallery wall in our well, offices, uh, together with something else that I want to wrap up our program with here today, sure. George Washington's Prayer for America. But uh, let's go back to this matter of our heritage, going back to yeah. fellows like uh, uh, David Barton and and many others Uh, trying to resurrect the memory of our godly heritage. The problem that I have seen over the past uh, 30 years is that while resurrecting the memory of the godly heritage, we have not resurrected our humility, shall we say, before the god of that heritage. And therefore, after 40 years of crying out to God for spiritual revival in America, we still don't have it. What say you?
1: Well, first of all, I can't presume to speak of God as to why he answers some prayers when he does versus other prayers. That, well, when the people that that refuse
0: does. to humble themselves before yeah, God yeah, so and true. repent. That's so true. Yeah. The,
1: the, the key to everything is, is indeed 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. Yeah, If my people who are called by my name Will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, and so forth. And so, there's no question that we need to do. And there's no question that in some cases, uh, some of the great heroes of the Christian faith, even that helped found America, it can be turned into idols. No question about it. George Washington himself, uh, Thomas Jefferson, and so forth, they could be turned into idols. Abraham Lincoln, and even that, the
0: her- even the very heritage, the concept of the heritage itself. Oh, we have yeah, a godly and, heritage. And, and We're a Christian you know, What country. does
1: God say? I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before there me. There you go. Do not make any graven images and bow down to those. You know, don't worship me through those graven images and so forth, he says. So, you know, the, the Ten Commandments frees us from a lot of this uh, bondage, even bondage of, of, in effect, worshiping our Christian heritage. But the fact of the matter is, when you actually look at the facts,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you look at what made this nation great? It is that Judeo-Christian heritage. I mean, I have uh, a series of books from the 1970s called "The Annals of America." Oh, I have my those good friend. Two. Yeah, my good friend Bill Federer is the first one who told me about them about 20 years ago. I got a copy of it. Thought it was so great. I brought it. Brought one over to Dr. Kennedy. He said, "Oh, great! Order me a copy too. <laughs> I'll pay for it." So I did. I got him a copy, and it's up in his, you know, his study. He's on since gone with to be with the Lord. But what this is, for those not familiar with it, in 1976, the Encyclopedia Britannica came out with about 20 volumes of this Annals of America, and volumes one, two, and three uh, deal with the settling and the founding era of America, and they're the key documents in our Mm -hmm. history. And you look at volumes one, two, and three, and you see the Christian faith played a major role in so much of what made America what it is. And the freedoms we enjoy. Look, Chuck, you could go down to that southern border right now, that porous southern border, which should be closed. But Joe Biden is allowing it to be open and Kamala Harris is not addressing it. and Illegals are pouring through. If you took the liberal perspective on things, the liberal perspective on on America in general, you know, people should be at the border saying America stinks. It has always been bad. Turn back before you, too, you know, will will experience terrible things here in America. <laughs> uh, but, but I mean, I'm serious. I went into uh, the Smithsonian, the, the Smithsonian chapter about two or three years ago, the one that deals with American history. And I was shocked at how negative so much of mm-hmm. the presentation was. Yeah. For example, in the section on all the American experience in World War II, all they highlighted, at least, that you could see, you know, that was trumpeted and and seen from, you know, the whole, from, you know, major uh, part of the museum, this was the big highlight, was the terrible experience where Japanese Americans were interned during World War II because FDR didn't know who was faithful to America and who was faithful to Japan. So they interned those Japanese, And by the way, they made good on that later. The United States did. The Supreme Court even ruled on that, you know, years Mm -hmm. later, because a lot of those people were still around uh, to make to make restitution with that. But it was an ugly chapter in American history. And that's what we should be known by. I mean, Bob Mm -hmm. Woodson, uh, an African-American civil rights leader, very strong uh, Christian and conservative and so forth. The Mm -hmm. Woodson Center in D.C. helped a lot of inner city people in many different ways. But anyway, he said in reference, for example, to the 1619 Project, which claims that America began really in 1619, which is when the first African-Americans or the first black Americans came over to America. That's when America began. That's what America has always been about and is about is slavery. He said, Bob Woodson said, look, nobody should be known by the worst of what they used to be. I mean, if America hadn't corrected these things mm-hmm. and, you know, made uh, positive steps to, to uh, you know, uproot slavery and then later to uproot the Jim Crow laws and and uproot uh, the KKK and, and all these terrible things, if we hadn't made progress, then I think the left would have a, you know, an argument to, to right. you know. To but they make. have an but ulterior they, motive, Jerry. They have an yeah, ulterior they motive, they, and that like, is to
0: tear down... Any tear down America and make it into some
1: sort of Marxist utopia. And, and and utopia is the perfect word to use because utopia comes from two words in the Greek. The U means no, no place. It doesn't exist. The top, <laughs> the topos, you know, like topical, topical, mm-hmm. that means place. Mm-hmm. Um, topical study means, you know, study of the place. Anyway, uh, there is no Marxist utopia on planet Earth. Whenever the Marxists have had, have taken over a place. They bring nothing but hell on earth. Mao Tung was the worst mass murderer in the history of humanity. And yet, there are some restaurants sometimes in America named after Mao. Uh, he's not viewed in the same way that Adolf Hitler is. And Adolf Hitler, of course, was was evil in his attempt to, you know, completely cut Germany off from its, uh, right. you know, to create any kind an of Aryan friction. utopia. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, the utopia is no place. It doesn't exist. All right. Now, Why let's talk America- about
0: yeah, the reason America uh, is the place where everyone wants to come is precisely because we have dealt uh-huh. in a positive yeah. and righteous way insofar as nations can be seen that way yes, uh, that's exactly to right. eradicate I- the problems that have plagued all humanity since creation.
1: Yeah, well, let's just take an example. The evil people want to uh, grab power unto themselves. In some cases, somebody maybe even claiming to be a righteous person wants power for himself. George Washington had the opportunity to be made king, right. the king of America uh, in 1782, and he pushed away power. He said, I didn't fight one king in order to become another king. And later, when he was the first president of the United States under the U.S. Constitution, after his second term, he said, okay, I'm finished. And he set a good precedent uh, for us, you know, that, that no one man would have power for too long. The Founding Fathers recognize what the Bible says, that we are sinful. We are sinful creatures. And they built a system uh, where they separated powers because of the sinfulness of humanity and King uh, George James the Madison. Third,
0: King George the Third, who was the nemesis, the enemy of uh, George Washington across the pond, uh, declared when George Washington abandoned the yes. so-called kingship and walked away from uh, eternal Power. rulership. He said, "This man must be the greatest man in the world." Yeah, what a what a thing to say. About the first president of the United States. We'll be right back after this, friends, Jerry Newcomb, our special guest. And I'm going to make available to you uh, not only his uh, production uh, via the Providence Forum, but also my book, Renewing the Soul of America. I think you'll be very encouraged by it. Stay tuned.
2: Have you ever considered what the early church was like? But the same can be found right now. Go to SaveUs.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's SaveUs.org. Click Sell Church.
0: Always a joy, friends, to join you here on Viewpoint to talk about the things that matter most. Today we're talking about why we have this uh, celebration period called President's Day and particularly two stand out Washington and Lincoln. I happen to have bus of those two uh, on the wall uh, above my broadcast desk and uh, they're inspiration to me, not because they're perfect people, but because they helped to make us a more perfect nation. And, uh, about 10 years ago, Jerry, I was uh, privileged to be speaking in uh, Ghana, West Africa. I was speaking not only in the capital city of Accra, but also in the out country. Uh, in fact, the church there had no walls. It had goats and chickens roaming around even as we were speaking there. <laughs> yeah. But one of the places that we were specifically led was a the epicenter of African slave trade. Wow. It wasn't in America. It was in Ghana. In Ghana. And here was this big stone edifice. We went into the various rooms where they held the slaves in various compartments. We also saw the chute that led from the quarters where they kept these slaves to the chute that descended down over the cliff to where the slave boats were anchored to take them on to other destinations. Some being America, some being to uh, uh, the Caribbean and various other places. The slave trade did not begin in America. The slave trade began in Africa. Now, One could say, well, the slave trade didn't even begin in Africa. The slave trade began all over the world because slaves were normative everywhere in the world, and they weren't all African-American. But the black or African-American slave trade began in Africa with Africans and their various tribes selling off their people for a buck. That's the truth. We were there. We saw where it took place. Now, many of them ended up at the United States of America, unfortunately. And in that particular era, with agriculture and all of that, it became somewhat normative. George Washington owned slaves. Many, in fact, most people with any uh, amount of money whatsoever owned slaves. Even farmers who had small farms-owned slaves, as we found out at Yorktown just this last week. But in in 1794, George Washington signed into law the Slave Trade Act that banned the involvement of American ships and American exporters in the international slave trade. Where and why is that not recognized recognized by those who want to stir up a hornet's nest of uh, racism in this country.
1: And also, you could add to it that in 1774, George Washington, as one of the members of the House of Burgesses, which basically was the, the legislature of the state of Virginia, why he, George Mason, and also Thomas Jefferson, they wrote up something called the fairfax resolve mm-hmm. and if that had been allowed to pass uh they wanted this basically it cut off the slave trade and would not allow any slaves to be imported into virginia who put the kibosh on that george the 3rd and the parliament you know in england because at the time 1774 virginia was still under british control mm-hmm. and so anyway the to me the one of the most significant things about george washington and the issue of slavery is that he here he was fourth generation in america in his family fourth generation slave owners and by the time he died george washington freed his slaves he broke the cycle which is absolutely fantastic and made many steps so that slavery could be one day uh, removed in America, and of course, it wasn't in his lifetime, nor was it finished, you know, and uprooted in the lifetime of of Thomas Jefferson. In fact, it took a war with all those, uh, you know, uh, seven hundred thousand or so, you know, men, mostly white guys, you know, in America in the Civil War. But if you look at the, it wasn't second, so
0: civil. In order to right. eradicate a curse and a blight upon our country. So rather than seeing that as negative, that should be seen as one of the more exalting aspects of our country that we were willing to deal with a subject like that, even to the cost of the blood of American citizens.
1: Well, Dr. Walter Williams, uh, the late Walter Williams, a mm-hmm. professor, by the way, at George Mason University. A black brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, and we dedicated, by the way, this uh, particular documentary to him. At the very end, there's a little title graphic with his you know, his face and birth year and, and his death, 2020. Uh, and anyway, he made a, a point. He said slavery has been mankind's fair from the beginning of recorded history. Exactly. Even the word itself, slave, is derived from the word. Slav, as in the Slavic people, because they were slaves. He said African-American slavery, you know, or or Africans being enslaved was a relatively new thing as far as, you know, in the history of recorded um, slavery. Mm Fine, okay, but he said that the important thing to recognize is that the Western world, uh, uh, you know, expended all kinds of great resources in order to completely uproot and end slavery and that's the that's the real important lesson and so as you were saying earlier you know slavery didn't begin in america began and the black slavery of course began as you were saying earlier in in africa and so forth and there's no question that some of the founding fathers including george washington uh... were beneficiaries of this evil system but the great thing is the founding fathers were able to set up the framework whereby one day This evil could be uprooted, and it was. As as Martin Luther King Jr. put it, the founding fathers, when they wrote the Declaration of Independence, which said that that, uh, all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, he said they, in effect, they gave us all a promissory note. And he said, now it's time that we cash in on that promissory note. And he we've been that, doing
0: like, that progressively. And it, I hate to use the word progressively, but incrementally, we've been doing that uh, now over time. And it is precisely that plus the prosperity that that has brought to America that is drawing yeah. people from all over the world.
1: Yeah, that's so true. I mean, in fact, going back to Walter Williams, Now, this isn't in the episode of the George Washington uh, feature or whatever of the you know George Washington episode of the Foundation series, but in that interview, and I use it in one of the segments, uh, he said that if you were to isolate the wealth of African Americans, uh, he said the amount of wealth that we have in this country is so high that I believe he said it would be something like the 14th largest country in the whole world as far as just the sheer amount of wealth uh so in other words you know people are able to you know if they're black and so forth today they can prosper in america if they you know uh work hard and and get things you know working in the right way but because I think, the
0: opportunity is yes, there the
1: opportunities are there. has
0: it been has it been curtailed in some respects throughout time yes is it Are those curtailments gradually being eradicated? Yes. Are you seizing upon that, or are you returning to make yourself a slave of the government? That's what the Democratic Party is seeking to do with black America. Then they take us backward, and it's the Republican Party, by the way, because people don't realize it, That was the anti-slavery movement in the country. It was the Democratic Party that wanted to preserve slavery and that initiated the Jim Crow laws. So let's be honest about those things. Otherwise, uh, deception is going to reign, and that's a very dangerous thing. By the way, uh, what you may not know, Jerry, is that my uh, son-in-law, the husband of my oldest daughter, who is my producer is blacker than the ace of spades. He's so black that you can't see him in a shadow. And he came from Ghana. His father was a chief in Ghana. When his father died, my son-in-law had the choice of whether to become, take over his father's role as chief in Ghana. He chose not to because of the intermixture of Christianity and spiritism. He chose not to do that. But he has testified to us that the slave issue is and has been very real throughout African history, including Ghana, whose... National motto is Gina Me which means but for God. Wow. So here you've got a mixture a nation who identifies their businesses are filled with quotes from the Bible. Gina Me but for God and yet we're heavily involved one of the major sources of slavery to the rest of the world.
1: Go well, figure. I would imagine though that that a lot of that slavery you're talking about happened long before, uh, you know, the Christian influence uh, started happening. I mean, for exactly. Example, David Livingston's work, you know, was in the mid-1800s.
0: And Wilberforce two- in Britain and so on. All yeah. right, yeah, I exactly. want to wrap up with this. And uh, be, first of all, I want to uh, have you tell our folk uh, exactly uh, where they can find this uh, series, Foundation of American Liberty, again.
1: Okay, well, first of all, it's not even all completed, but those that are, you can, those episodes that are completed, including the George Washington or the Pilgrims, you can get more information at ProvidenceForum.org, and I have a, a, you know, the first page up there says keep up to date with the Foundation film series, Okay. and you can even see portions of the uh, George Washington special, because, for example, truths that transform which is the d james kennedy ministry television right. program mm-hmm. graciously they showed uh two different segments uh from that george washington special it's was probably about 15 minutes at least worth the content out of an hour-long program okay so well how are people
0: it. going to see the the hour-long program that's the issue
1: well they can see that at uh the um, the nrb channel on um president's day night and uh, we're in the process of of making it available through streaming. That's not a, you know, immediately available, but all the information we, we keep up to date with this is at ProvidenceForum.org. Okay. okay. So people can learn about that.
0: Now, again, friends, I told you that I would make available our book, Renewing the Soul of America. Uh, this is not a book just about information. It's about transformation. And that's why 38 national Christian leaders endorsed it as the only book in our generation that really moves beyond just information about our heritage to how you and i must adopt that into our own hearts and our own lives if we hope for any uh, renewing in the soul of america an eighteen dollar book yours for fifteen dollars it's on our website save us dot that save us dot org you can call us at one eight hundred save u.s.a one eight hundred save u.s.a or write to us at save america ministries P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Again, renewing the soul of America. You will be extremely encouraged as you read that, but you will also be challenged. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Now, George Washington gave us an amazing prayer for this country. On our gallery wall is his prayer for America. Here it is. I now make it my earnest prayer that God would have the United States in his holy protection, that he would incline the hearts of the citizens to cultivate a spirit of subordination and obedience to government, to entertain a brotherly affection and love for one another, for their fellow citizens of the United States at large, and particularly for their brethren who have served in the field, and finally... That he would most graciously be pleased to dispose us all to do justice, to love mercy, and to demean ourselves with that charity, humility, and pacific temper of mind, which were the characteristics of the divine author of our blessed religion, and without a humble imitation of whose example in these things we can never hope to be a happy nation. Amen. I agree with that. That's why we have it right on the gallery wall there in our. Uh, Save America Headquarters. Thanks for joining us here on Viewpoint. God bless and be a blessing. Let's be a blessing, friends. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart
1: and home.